Welcome back to They Talk Sex Podcast. This is the internet porn episode two. Our guest today is Ginger Banks. Hello, Ginger. Hello. How are you doing this morning? I am pretty okay. Uh, You can find and follow Ginger if you don't already. Her Instagram and TikTok are at the Ginger Banks. And I follow you on Instagram. Have you ever been deactivated? Oh, yeah. This is literally like my sixth Instagram account. Whoa. Wow. Yeah, it's honestly hard because I always think like, what would my social media following be like if I didn't have this like foot on my neck is how I feel like it is, like mm-hmm. just holding me back. That's why I think TikTok is a little bit more of an accurate representation of like what my fan base and my following would be like if I hadn't been dealing with just constant, constant account deletions. Restrictions. Yeah. I don't have a TikTok. Um so are there less restrictions on creators? No, I think that the restrictions are just a little bit more clear cut. It's like you don't mm. do don't do don't do really sexy things on TikTok basically is what, kind of what I I realized. Like no 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 lingerie, nothing like that and it makes it a little bit easier for me to just like follow the rules kind of. It's actually made me really good at like doing less with or doing more with less. Mm, that totally makes sense. So what I'm hearing is we would comply and follow the rules as adult content creators if we know what they are. <laughs> exactly. I mean, saying no overtly sexual content is like, okay, what overt? Mm-hmm. What does that even mean? Because mm-hmm. you post a lot of dancing clips. You're just like happy, yeah. joyful dancing. Well, I realized I could, I'm still sexy without mm-hmm. like showing anything really, you know, and these, these people, they really get into it. And I think that, you know, there's so much porn online that these people really do want like a connection with someone. That's why I try and show like a lot of like myself and that's how I make a connection and get them to, you know, go deeper and hmm. buy my stuff. <laughs> I fucking love that. Okay. So for those who are not familiar with your work, do you have any preferred types of adult scenes or content that you make? I prefer like real genuine connections right now, like just some intense chemistry between two people that you can really like feel in Mm. the video. You know, you can tell these two people really want to be having the sexual experience together because that that's how I have the most fun. And I think it translates to the best work on camera. And then when you do that, it's like, you know, whatever that person is into, whatever you're into, you can play off of that. But I genuinely like real and real, real connections. (laughs) This is such a reframe from how I've been trained to think as like a porn clerk or like consumer of like, what categories do you like to make? You know, which which category are you going to click on? (laughs) Yeah. Do you work in anal? Do you do group scenes? Like and those answers are all great and fine. And that would like specify. But I love that you're like, oh, I like scenes and doing stuff where you can see the chemistry because ideally that's isn't that what porn would be? I mean, right. I, I did a lot of market research with my fans uh, when I I broke up with my boyfriend like four years ago and I started getting into like filming with other people and stuff. So I wanted to know, like, first off, what do you guys look at when you're watching the porn? And like over 70 percent of them said they look at the girl's face, oh. like, Aww. which I'm like, OK, that's interesting. And, you know, they also said that the thing that they look for the most is a connection between the performers. And that Aww. really like changed the way that I think about you know the type of art mm-hmm. that I'm creating oh I'm like clutching my chest right now <laughs> oh, my but I think we have to get out of that porn box like that's how I feel a lot of the time is that like the 
the mainstream porn industry or like especially tube sites and the way they're aggregated and just like the data and stuff like that it really does like you niche yourself you know kind of even Mm -hmm. and I think it's important or really good to realize that a lot of our fans just want to see us like pleasuring ourselves and pleasuring the people that we're in these videos with Mm, that was something I noticed when I started making like amateur with my boyfriend and I want to ask you your entry story next but I am like way less experienced in poor making than you are. And this is why I find it so fascinating that like the only feedback I get is obviously based on what I've made, which is like a limited amount of content. And it's been with my either partner in my life or like close intimate friends. Um, So the feedback I get is like, oh, it really looks like you enjoy what you're doing or like I can see the connection. And I think, yeah, both of those things are true, which makes me think that folks can see when it isn't very very when it's very very performative totally i i actually just did this documentary with bbc and one of my favorite or my friend's favorites quotes of this documentary was i say like it's it's like wwe or it's like wrestling like the like more set up stuff it's like it's like you have to know that it's like just entertainment you know like you got to know mm-hmm. that we don't like fuck in the shape of a pretzel when we're having sex with our partners like that is a performance for you i hope you enjoy it and i know you do enjoy it but just know that like don't mm-hmm. expect your partner off camera to be riding you while they are like turned around facing the other direction that's not it's probably not going to happen in your real life it doesn't feel great on my spine for a very long amount of time <laughs> exactly say. also do that and try and say we're not like professional athletes because that's like one of the yes. hardest things to that do. is that is another thing when I started making stuff I'm like so much respect to people who do this constantly for a living and really like see what their bodies can endure comfortably or uncomfortably you yes know? exactly so what is your entry story into adult? I was in college at ASU studying chemical engineering and I got my first laptop that had a webcam on it. I think hmm. my stepdad, like, I feel like he knew because in college or in high school, I got a laptop and he went into the order and like removed the webcam from my, oh my like God. laptop order. And I remember oh thinking like, huh, I wonder why he did that. And then when I got my first one in college, I was like just immediately on all these like Uh, webcam chat rooms and stuff just basically talking and being sexy for fun and I really saw like the potential in there for money you know I would watch porn on websites so I would see the little webcam girl shit being advertised Mm -hmm. in the bottom right hand corner and I was like I'm basically already doing that you know Mm -hmm. like I could I could do that so I started doing it started making really good money like And it just didn't really seem logical for me to like finish my degree and start working for other people making less money like that. So I just, I stopped going to school. I started doing it. I mean, I never really did it full time, (laughs) to be honest (laughs) with you, but full time for me as like my main source of income, it became that. Mm -hmm. And then I made clips with my ex-partner. Then I left him and, you know, do my own stuff now. So what I'm hearing from the beginning is that you were already motivated to socially interact like you were in the chat rooms and the forums and then you realized you could monetize this yeah Yeah, I mean I was getting directly offered money by like so many people that were like I will will pay you money to see you naked and I was like wow huh really (laughs) I was like I take naked pictures all the time (laughs) I could do something with these oh my god Yes, yeah. and that's kind of how I view like all my friends when they're like, yeah, I just took uh, a video of me flashing and playing with myself at the gym and sent it to my boyfriend. And I'm like, that's like $10,000 over the course of your career. Like, <laughs> Oh my God. Yeah, I love that. That's so funny. That's definitely become the joke for me and anybody I'm fucking. I'm like, this is free content. <laughs> I know, I know, right? 
Uh, okay, so I'm going to your Instagram. Uh, scared myself. Okay, so you have, it says, my intention is to make the world a healthier place through the destigmatization of sex and sex work. And you do have a backup. Uh, you sent me some, God, what was it? Studies, research. It was something, it was something about FOSTA or Pornhub. I think it was Pornhub education. Do you remember this? <laughs> no, I said you're busy, lady. I'm like, okay. I have no clue. It was That's a couple years ago. So basically, what I wanted to ask is, can we talk about some of your public education efforts? Totally. Yeah. So, what do you? How do you feel you engage that way? I see you interact with people in the comments, mm -hmm. and we'll tell them like, no, actually, you're incorrect because of this. <laughs> you don't seem to do that a whole lot, but I don't go through your contact your. Um. I for the mo I do moderate my comments a lot. If you can see my comments are like really nice and positive. I definitely moderate that. Like I don't I don't think that the internet is an accurate representation of the way that people treat sex workers IRL. Mm. You know, like face to face. Like people will say and do shit online that they would never have the guts to say or do to my face, you know, especially because mm -hmm. of how I like I just think I'm very confident about this. Um mm -hmm. so I don't want people to like other new sex workers, I mean, they're going to experience it on their own. So I guess maybe I'm giving them a false sense of hope. But just like, <laughs> I don't know, like, you just don't deserve access to my profile if you're going to treat me that way. I try to like, I think the most important work that I do is actually showing myself as a human and humanizing mm. sex workers. Because I think at the beginning of my career, I was objectifying myself in a way by like literally only showing my sexual side. Like never mm. showing my pets, never showing my interests, never showing my hobbies, nothing like that. And I think that if you do that through a computer, it can be really easy to see someone as an object instead of a person with like, you know, thoughts and feelings and stuff like that. So I think that's some of my most important work. I get mm. a lot of comments from people that are like, you know, like just how we're breaking down stereotypes, how I'm breaking down stereotypes that like, mm -hmm. you know, the media has provided to them about what a sex worker is quote unquote like, <laughs> mm -hmm. whatever that might be. I find it interesting because I understand why you do what you do because I do the same thing. Yeah. And I also understand why other folks choose to like distance themselves. It yeah. feels like putting walls up because I think that could probably feel like safety. Oh, 100%. I'm privileged to be able to do all those things for sure. There we go. Yeah, same. Me too. Right. Um, and I think what you said earlier about people say things online that they would never say to your face in person. Absolutely. And that, <laughs> that's the case, I think, no matter, like, where you exist. Uh, like, I mean, I think I think a lot of us can be like, yeah, I, I, I experience the Internet that way, too. Yeah. Just the vitriol, we're so quick to, like, type at someone. But if you see them, like, across the room at a bar, it's like okay, avoid eye contact, you know? Yeah. I mean, like the amount of people who have said like really like horrible, horrible things to me as a sex worker, like no one's going to ever want to date you. Blah, 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 blah. No one's ever said that to my face. Like, I mean, that's nice. people will be like, is it hard to date as a sex worker? I guess that that's them like towing around that. But at the same time, like the way people talk to me in person, especially how I carry myself when I talk about this, because I think I don't have any internalized shame really about this anymore. So mm -hmm. I think when I talk about it in front of people, people are naturally like, they kind of copy you, they like emulate you. So if you talk about it in like with confidence, I've noticed that they are like, oh, okay, like she's confident about this subject. I'll, I'll believe the information she's giving me. Isn't that strange? And it's so like fake it till you make it. But mm -hmm. if you set a tone of like, this is acceptable and this is what our acceptable behavior will be. Yeah. Some people will follow that. 
Um, I don't, and I, I don't, I mean, I do believe that empathy can be taught, but not to everyone. Yeah. But some people will follow <laughs> the norms no matter what they are because. You know how we put fluoride in the water supply? Maybe we could put like psychedelic mushrooms in the water supply and microdose <laughs> people. Like literally oh my just God. like. That'd I think that so would definitely nice. increase empathy. I literally I ask myself that question all the time. How do we increase empathy in humans? Huh. Like how? Huh. Yeah, it definitely is the privileged workers like us who can do extra labor because we have extra energy and resources for it, I 100%. think. Right. And so here we are on the podcast. Yeah. Thanks, <laughs> listeners. Thanks, allies. Yeah. Uh, did FOSTA SESTA impact you? Yeah, totally. I mean, one of the biggest money makers on webcamming sites was um, dates, like raffles or dates. People would just like high tip of the month, you know, you would take them out to coffee, you would do like stuff like that. Any sort of meetups became like strictly banned on almost any website that I work on. So that wow. was like, gosh, I don't even if I went back and I would have to like calculate how much people spent individually on those things. You know, I was making tens of thousands of dollars off of those. Wow. So I have been avoiding this for like 17 episodes so mm -hmm. far. I, I'm so sick of explaining Foster <laughs> Sesta. It's like but, been your life since 2017, right? Thank you, right? Since late 2017, <laughs> early 2018. Um, okay, so for the audience who's not been following me or Ginger or legislation or legislation about sex work for years fosta sesta came into effect in april 2018 trump signed it i believe obama would have signed it i'm sure biden yeah. would have signed it it was a bipartisan supported couple of bills that stood for fight online sex trafficking act and stop enabling sex trafficking act those titles alone <laughs> If you're like a layperson, no pun intended, if you're just a regular ass person not following what that means, that does sound great, right? Of course. You want to stop sex trafficking, right? <laughs> of course. Like what kind of monster would not? Who would vote against this? But uh, what it actually did was change how the internet functions. So the example I like to use, and feel free to use this or come up with your own, is imagine a library. And for the first time ever in the existence of libraries, um, the library is responsible for the content of every single book. So if you use the information from one of those books on how to build a bomb and you hurt people or something, the library is now responsible. Not the person, the library, and maybe the person. Uh, so what FOSTA-SESTA did is it, it holds websites or platforms liable for the content that their users publish or post or share for the first time ever. So if Ginger and me are running a child trafficking ring and we're doing it on our Instagrams, Instagram, if we used them to advertise our services, they are responsible. Instagram that's, is partly responsible. That's Am such I correct? A good, such a good like analogy. Like I good. thank you for that analogy. I will be using this analogy going on in the future. I would, I would always say like, it's like as if a kidnapper went to walmart to buy like the duct tape and all of a sudden it's like walmart's fault that they bought the duct tape there like it's like these that is a great one too really weird like how could they possibly be liable but it sucks because you know me and you were taking it at face value and we're like okay you want to end sex trafficking let's actually talk about this logically but that's like playing into their game because they don't actually want to stop sex trafficking 
You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like I, I feel like I'm like I'm like arguing with this like fake thing that like they don't actually want to stop sex trafficking. When you realize that they want to stop and you know abolish sex work, then mm-hmm. everything makes like a little bit more sense. You know? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like why do you folks keep doing things that are ineffective, but you're applauded for by the mainstream, but they actually make consensual sex work workers' lives harder? Oh, and by the way punch down on the most marginalized people and make them poorer and more likely Mm -hmm. to have a harder time finding housing. Oh, wait, you don't care about poor people. Exactly. Yeah. Um, No, this SESTA FOSTA did like, like for me, it took away tens of thousands of dollars that like I already have uh, other tens of thousands of dollars. Like I'm very, Mm -hmm. very, very privileged when it comes to this to like Mm -hmm. think that this has prevented people from being able to like screen their clients or do any sort of like safety prevention measures is like the most egregious consequence of this going through. Mm -hmm. And thank you for saying that Biden or Obama would have signed it also, because one Mm -hmm. time I did an interview right after this, and I remember them feeding the line to me, like, and President President Trump just signed this into law. And I was like, I wanted Uh, to be like, okay, well, literally every senator except for two of them fucking signed this bill and supported it. So like, it's not a Trump thing. It's really not. Right. And it was uh, Ron Wyden from Oregon, who's a Democrat. Mm Mm-hmm. And oh God, Rand Paul, Rand Paul, <laughs> is he from Alabama? He's an independent. I have he's no a, idea where he's he is a libertarian. From. So, yeah, uh, bipartisan hatred and confusion about sex work is very common. So I guess the point we're getting to is like, yes, it did make you and me make less money, mm-hmm. um, which, you know, that means I tip less, I buy less, like I, I give yeah. less, I spend less. But for people that were already like trying to post ads on Craigslist personals, yeah. if they can't do that anymore or Backpage, which is gone, if they can't post ads online to screen a little bit. Well, now their options are perhaps going in and out of jumping in and out of cars or trying to work in bars, which is less safe. Yeah, I read about I read about this one girl who she said that she would go door to door at truck stops Christ. and just knock on them and ask them if they like. And then when Backpage came around, yeah, when yeah. Backpage came around, she was like, "Wow, I have this thing where I can like separate myself from that a little bit." And then after it was like right when it was passing, I remember her saying like, "I think I'm gonna have to go back to doing that again." Mm-hmm. So, and screening can be hugely helpful. And I'll just give a quick example that was taught to me on a previous podcast. Um, the escort lady said, you know, you email with them a little bit and if they're willing to give you basic information and be polite, then you go to the next step and you have a day, a day date, like a coffee mm-hmm. date for 20 minutes where you ask to take a peek at their ID to see that they are who they said they are. But if you can't do any of this, right, your options go way, way down. Um, okay. So real quick before we take a break, mm-hmm. ethical porn as a term, what yes. does it mean to you? You know, a lot of people claim that that's an oxymoron, and I think it's because they assume everything that happens and goes on in porn is, like, unethical, which is just, like, really sad that we've gotten to that point. For me, ethical porn is everybody involved in the production doing something that they enjoy and choosing to do those things, you know? Like, I think about their their care and comfort and their acknowledging that they're a human, like, is, like, the most important thing. And if you're doing that, then, like, everything else, like, will will like come out of it in a good ethical way you know paying Mm. them fair wages all of those things like I think that goes along with like remembering that these are humans Mm. so I think but I I always tell people like I said before like 
whatever you like and whatever you enjoy doing in porn, there's someone else who likes watching someone do that thing. (laughs) So you don't need to like force yourself into these situations for money that you don't want to do, especially on the internet. Like you can say no to these people. You can say, no, there's going to be someone else to offer you money. And so I think remembering that and having each individual like make their porn from that perspective is how Mm. the industry becomes a little bit more ethical. Mm, I love that. Okay, folks, we're going to take a quick (laughs) break. And uh, also I have some coupons for vibrator stuff. Fuck yeah. Fuck yeah. (laughs) Be right back. Ioba Toys is the creator of the super silent sex toys, the Oh My G and the Oh My C. The Oh My G is a G-spot massager with three intensity levels, a massaging pearl, and a unique C-shape made to precisely hit the G-spot. The Oh My C is a clitoral massager with a rotating massaging pearl that mimics a tongue or fingers also known as oral sex, and it fits in the palm of your hand. Both toys are super silent and come in pink or white. Try code L30 for 30% off on iobatoys.com. Do you have sex questions? Do you want help learning new techniques, communicating with a partner, opening a relationship, or exploring kink? Sex and intimacy coach Stella Harris can help. Book a session now to take your intimate life to the next level. Listeners of this podcast receive 20% off their first session with code TTS. Learn more and schedule at www.stellaharris.net or follow her on Instagram at Stella Harris Erotica. Welcome back to They Talk Sex Podcast. I'm your host, L Stanger. Find me lstanger.com. I should be updating my own triple X clips pretty soon. And then find our guest, Ginger Banks, on Instagram and TikTok at the Ginger Banks. Thank you so much for talking about all of this stuff here. I love talking to other sworkers. It's my fave. Oh, same. Like this is it's such a good, easy conversation. Like, mm-hmm. thank you. <laughs> I love how much better I've gotten at talking about this stuff over the past four years. Like, uh, same. I watched the, like that Ron, Jer- Ron Jeremy like YouTube video that I made four years ago, and I literally like can't get a sentence out. Oh, gross! It was so bizarre to watch this. That's like, awesome. have you been actively like purposely working on this stuff? Communication. Um, yeah, I, after the Ron Jeremy video, I kind of realized I was like, wow, your words and your actions can actually have like a really like big impact in this world if you like consolidate it into like a easy easy to view, easy to mm-hmm. obtain, you know, thing. Mm-hmm. So that's when I started doing these interviews and like talking about sex work and stuff like that and hmm. I've done a lot of like I got sent like a bunch of media training one time about sex workers and like, you know, how, like basically like what not to say, how to speak on it. You know, Mm -hmm. if I hadn't got that media training, I probably would have been one of those people going around on interviews being like, well, I'm college educated or something (laughs) like that and being like, oh, Ginger, no, like that's not why you deserve respect. It's because you're a human. Oh, I love that. I, I actually thought to myself, I was like, maybe one day or maybe I'll just make a podcast where I only talk to other sworkers because I talk to sexuality like experts or non-experts but people with like lived experience different than mine and um but I and then my second thought was like 
well, would you have enough guests to like, do a whole show that way? And then I was, my third thought was like, you freaking ding dong. Of course you would have enough guests. No, I think it's a great idea to have a mixture though. You know, like it's, mm-hmm. it's so, it's great. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. Have some I like, on, but. <laughs> right. I like the things that other workers say that they do differently than me that I can learn about. And oh then I'm gosh. like, you know, I'm like, wow, yeah. that's your hustle. Like fascinating. There's never ending to learn about what sex work, how sex workers make money. Right. And every, t- every day I learn something new. Yeah. And then I love hearing from outsiders where they have questions or things that like seems obvious to me because duh, this is my life. Totally. But I understand. Right. Where it's like, oh, this is how we educate. You have to actually interact with the people outside of you unfortunately sometimes literally i you have to like take it, like i said taking yourself out of the porn box but the couple my last podcast i was on actually i was like i said something i was like most people have had a threesome and as i was saying it i was like most people have not had a threesome <laughs> like, what the fuck? like you're just having threesomes all the time you're like yeah every saturday right totally i know yeah exactly like people do throw it all the time right well i i i do when i can yeah yeah <laughs> Qualitative experience is delightful, but it's not everything for exactly. sure. Exactly. So let's do some listener questions. Uh-oh. Okay, so this is a great one for no matter what you do. Listener question one, how do you, Ginger Banks, motivate yourself to perform if you're not in the mood? That's a, a hard one because I, I just don't. <laughs> I just I don't I feel like I have the privilege to like really like only only do things like that I want to do sexually when I'm like in the mood to do something sexually I mean mm. I, I masturbate all the time so it's really not that hard to like you know just masturbate for a little bit and then use that like whatever residual sexual energy to finish creating if it's a custom mm. video or something like that I'll usually masturbate first to like get myself like off camera masturbate and then like start creating that because then I'm more in my like sexual energy that I've created on my own me too something that I really like me so too that, that's something I'll do <laughs> oh, I like that. Me too. Same. I'm like, okay, time to sit on the wand. Yeah, exactly. It's just like use the, <laughs> use the Hitachi, warm yourself up, and then you're like, wow, okay, okay. Oh, I got some blood flow down there. Exactly. Thanks, some nice thoughts. Um, okay, so listener question two, how does your performing, and you already kind of answered this, but we can go deeper. How does your performing sex relate to your personal life? Does it? Um, Not not at all really right now because I don't really record the sex that I have with my lover. I mean, I have recorded sex with this lover, but it's not like, it's not like a consistent thing that we're doing for me to like make money. So it hasn't really interfered in that way. I remember with my ex-boyfriend being like, if we're going to have sex, we're going to record it. But that was because that was like a super unhealthy situation and I didn't really want to be having sex with him in the first place. So I was mm. like, uh, I'm going to try and get something out of this if we're going to be having sex. So, wow. Fascinating. Yeah. Super unhealthy, I think, to do it like that. But It sounds like you have an understanding of the dynamics that were at play. Oh, yeah. I mean, at I've least about now. It. Yeah, totally. I mean, that was it was very, very unhealthy. It shouldn't have ever gotten to that point where like I was having sex with someone that I didn't want to have sex with. That was like actually the question that ended our relationship. He asked me one time he was like, do you ever have sex with me when you don't want to? And I was like, truly oh. blown away. I was like, you're kidding, right? I was like, you manipulate me into having sex with you like constantly. I was like, you will like ruin my day if I don't have sex with you. So like, yeah, <laughs> all the time. 
And he's like, well, why are we together? I was like, that's actually a really good question. I've been asking myself that a lot lately. Wow. And so I was that was gone fast. <laughs> that was, you know, really amazing that he asked. I wonder what motivated him to ask that question. If it seems like maybe perhaps he already knew the answer. So I thought that 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 question gave me the inkling like, wow, he really like, did he really not know? That was like what I started asking myself. So mm-hmm. after we broke up and then there was like a, a some time had gone by, I like actually wanted to have sex with him for the first time in like like years. So wow. I went out to New York and I was like, let's like let's meet up and let's have sex. And we were having sex and I was really into it literally for the first time. And like, I could not remember the last time I wanted to have sex with this guy. <laughs> and we're in the middle of us having sex and he starts, he whispers in my ear and he's like, can you actually pretend like you don't like it? <gasps> what? What? Yeah. Like what? on top of me in the middle what? of sex. And I was like, instantly just like slapped in the face. Like, oh no, girl, he knew and he got off on it. He clearly knew the <gasps> whole time. It's like a it's like a fucking sex worker horror story. <laughs> it's okay. like a per- girl horror story. It's just like okay, so okay. I was like giving him the benefit of the doubt. I was like maybe he's really just so like he really didn't get it. And then, no, no, he no. He knew. He got off on it. He'd be like, oh yeah, I like it when it feels like too big for you and stuff. I'm like, no, that's you like liking that. I don't like it. That's that's what that uh, is, bro. Okay, so to everybody <laughs> from a sex education standpoint, let's break it down. So yeah. when vaginas are aroused, they open up and they get bigger. When they're not aroused, <laughs> they're relaxed. They tighten up. So it feeling too big. When like everything hurts your cervix, it could be that you're not, you know, tented. Yeah. Um, okay. So I, oof, <laughs> that's a lot. And thank you for sharing that. And I totally understand and relate to a lot of that. Yeah. Except, so that's, wow, that's interesting. Yeah. You definitely, he knew what he was doing. <laughs> so I did, um, I did like a non consensual consent play yesterday. Yeah. And it was delightful. And I'm again, really like, into that, but not <laughs> right when it's consensual. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. Like and talked about beforehand. Yeah, yeah, I think I'm 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 very lucky. That's another thing that sex work has given me a lot of time is like time to philosophize. Someone called me a philosopher the other day and I was like, what does that even mean? And I like looked it up and I was like, <laughs> I totally am this like <laughs> philosopher. Like I'm always trying to like really think and the more I've learned about why people do what they do trauma learning about trauma mm-hmm. is like I feel like this like language to like human behavior that I, I just didn't I didn't learn it before you know now I know like mm-hmm. trauma and how people handle that and so like you know mm-hmm. while he my ex did what he did he was also an extremely traumatized individual I think he's I was still ask. yeah I think he's still traumatized you know like yeah if you're I think if you're still interacting with the people on a daily basis that have traumatized you it's usually a good indicator that you're not healing from that trauma you know so we do a lot of reflection here and that's a good one Uh, yeah I mean how can you how can you heal from something if it's still cutting you and I think a lot of these abusive relationships are like they might never put their hands on you but fuck whoever mm -hmm. said sticks and sounds may hurt my bones but words may never hurt me like Mm -hmm. what no, I think if you tell someone you're worthless enough and like you'll never find love, like sometimes that'll stick in your brain. You know who said that to me a few times when I brought up how they were verbally abusive? <laughs> the, the caregiver who was verbally abusive yep. to me. Yep. <laughs> uh, yep. So a lot of people just um, looked in the mirror and heard things they relate to. So thank you for sharing all of that. Um, 
And yeah, I what I was thinking when you were describing this, because I've been through enough lovers and partners and men who are also traumatized that I'm like, oh, he sounds incredibly detached. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. Okay. Like, I think it would make him like he, he would get uncomfortable when I was like experiencing joy or like happiness, like things like mm. that, like to the point where, you <laughs> know, I, I the one of the last things I said to him was like through these past years of doing this healing work, I've thought about you like a lot. So if you ever need someone, you know. <laughs> I'm here for you in regards to that. But still at the same time, like you have to, my therapist would probably be like, you should not do that. Don't do (laughs) it ever again. Only if you feel like you're in a stable enough place to where he can't take anything from you anymore, I would say. (sighs) Yeah, I really need to finalize my divorce with him. (laughs) As I'm looking at this little post-it that says divorce. Oh, fantastic. Uh, so listener question three, this relates mm-hmm. to trauma and we're all becoming more trauma literate here yeah. on this show. Definitely. How do you respond to people who think women only in porn are forced into it, traumatized, etc.? And I just want to give the quick reminder that we say women only because a lot of people think that only women yeah. work in porn or provide it. That is not the case. However, we're speaking from a female femme perspective. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's important to acknowledge that because that is the stereotype for some reason is that the women are the only ones that are forced into this or traumatized. I think, mm-hmm. um, first off, I think that society is traumatized. Like I think in general, mm-hmm. society is traumatized and however that might manifest in a person's life. Sometimes maybe we maybe we go into sex work to get like that attention. I, I genuinely think that I'm really good at my job because I didn't have like a close intimate relationship with my father, which is the fucking stereotype. But when you mm-hmm. don't have that, you go and you figure out how to get that attention in the world and as a woman hello like a lot Mm -hmm. of the time it's sex and I got really good at what I did and it actually was harder for me to accept that because of the fucking stereotype the daddy issues stereotype that they give us and shit like that the person I just referred to (laughs) was my dad by the way (laughs) exactly so Ah, great. We're getting along fabulously. (laughs) Yes. So Uh, he doesn't listen to podcasts. He'd be so mad. He'd be so mad uh, if I was saying a couple of these things. But you know what? No one knows who you are, father. So shh. Yeah, I'm um, I'm a little I'm a little intimidated to I'm trying to write this memoir right now. I'm in- intimidated to see mm. how the people that are still alive are going to react about my like, you know, mm. reflections on my experiences. But Do you I'm, legally have to conceal or tweak their identity or are you going to be That's um something that I guess I'm going to have to ask, but I yeah. I think I'm protected in a lot of yeah. ways. When I referred to my deceased boyfriend, he died by suicide in February. Yeah. Love you, Brian. When I wrote about him, I spelled his name with an I and said that his name had been changed to protect his privacy. <laughs> so, no, you know, ideas. Like, nobody. <laughs> Middle finger to the fam. Mm. Yes. He did, his family was not nice to him Aww, um, in the beginning. I mean. Yeah. Too little, too late. So what you said earlier, you think the society is generally traumatized. I would agree with you. Yeah, I think yeah. that we like. I, I think that like the isolation that society is society is set up to be isolating in itself like that is so traumatizing I think that isolation should be the choice when a person wants to leave you know like our lack of mm-hmm. community I think that can be traumatizing so yeah I think I think most people a lot of people go around with like a lot of this undiagnosed trauma and mm-hmm. maybe there's a you know trauma is the right word for it but I think trauma also like puts people off mm-hmm. to like maybe digging deeper you know, mm-hmm. like I would. I'm not traumatized. I'm fine. You know what I used to say, which like now I see it in other people, and I'm like, oh, I would be like, 
well, you know, none of my family's members like drugged me or raped me. I remember <laughs> saying that like multiple uh-huh. times, like being like, right. okay. I must be fine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Your your household was still like human rights violations nonstop. Like yeah. they, didn't, they didn't have to put their hands on you to. Right. Or call you names. You. Right. Yeah. So definitely becoming more trauma literate here. <laughs> but um, no, but people are, but at the same time, like I was not forced into it. Like I really did choose to go into this. And I also made the conscious decision to like stop going to school. You know, mm-hmm. I, I think that there are, and there's even more and more and more women that are like really, and men that are getting into this because they are like, this is something I want to do, especially now that it's becoming a little bit more socially accepted. I mm-hmm. think that you're going to get more people who are like just doing it for like the career instead of like, you know, like before I think that pushing it to the sides and pushing it to the darkness and saying that it's this terrible, terrible industry, it was going to attract a certain type of person that was okay with being associated with that, you know, like right. to a certain extent. And now right. like it's becoming a little bit more like socially Permittable. accepted. So you're going to have more people who are like, you know, like, mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't, how do I, I don't know how to say that. without like, but like, It was attracting a certain yeah. type of person because of oh, the yeah. darkness that it was like, you know, swept I up think and- if you, yeah, I forget. I would love to see some kind of studies on like stigma and shame because I agree that I think there's a mentality of like low self-esteem. Like, well, if society already thinks I'm yeah. a whore or a druggie or a junkie or whatever, like, I guess I do whore things in the whore <laughs> places. I might but as well we- just do it. If you're going to call right. me, I might as well be a whore. Right. And something I'm seeing now in the strip clubs, which is where I socialize with younger sex workers the most, um, is one young lady, like she's very new. Um, and, uh, I think she has a lot of potential, but I remember being young and thinking I knew a ton about something I just started doing. Mm -hmm. And she said something about how like, she's not here for what these men like. And I'm thinking like, Mm. okay, honey. And you can feel (laughs) that way, but we all have to like stretch our boundaries sometimes. Yeah under capitalism so like good luck to you because I have humbled myself with the work I have done when I needed the money yeah exactly or just the shit you have to put up with so pick your battles <laughs> no it's funny because I feel like the only time I was ever scammed out of money too is when I needed money you know mm-hmm. what I mean like that was mm-hmm. the only time that uh and looking back like it seems so obvious you know like it. so yeah when people are that's why I'm a very I'm starting to like really think that like universal basic income like if you're against people doing sex work like when they need to to survive like there's like a lot of mm-hmm. people who okay but support universal basic income then because mm-hmm. there will literally never stop people stop mm-hmm. being people who will do sex work to survive because mm-hmm. you don't need to go buy drugs you don't need to go do anything there's a, like like low cost entry like anybody can do it and you're not going to you're not going to hurt anybody else at the very, you know, like you're not going to go out. You don't have to hurt anybody. You don't have to rob anybody. Like if you need money now, like what else, like what mm-hmm. else would you do? Like that's there's always going to be a thing. Money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's always potential for quicker money. Um, on a, on a nice reframing of it though, I yeah. think that it's something we can encourage, like for people who were fence walkers before when it was less socially acceptable, mm-hmm. um, you know, we do see more privileged people coming into the workforce um, when it's young people who are like, oh, I I do this because it makes me feel good. I don't need the money as much, but I'm proud of my career. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, of course. If you want to be proud of your career, then that's good because maybe you'll make it a better place. Yes. There's mm-hmm. always room to be improved upon or like learned from someone else. Something yeah, to be and- learned. 
Right. And if we hold sexuality stuff in a higher esteem, then I think people will treat it better, like figuratively and literally. We'll have better interactions. The venues will be cleaner. Like, yes. Yeah. That's I, w- I wish that opinion. like strip clubs and like brothels were like in the middle of cities, you know, like I don't know where mm. how it is where you work, but usually it would be like ours would be by the highway in Arizona. I haven't really been to a lot in L.A., but mm-hmm. I just I want I want it to be like in the middle of everything, you know, like yeah, like not in an industrial zone yes. or by the railroad tracks. Yeah. Like, stop. Stop pushing yeah. us to the outskirts. That's what I love about social media and all this stuff. It's like you can't hide us anymore. You literally can't hide us anymore. There's yep. like so many of us online. Like, yep. Yep. Enough to make a podcast. <laughs> so listener question for how do you protect your vaginal ecosystem? I, for example, every time I start seeing a new partner or I have a new partner, I will get irritated. Really? Like some kind of BB or something. Yeah, personally. So, so is that something you have to worry about? I actually just made a TikTok that went kind of viral about this. I was talking about how you can test your pH levels with the, these pH test strips of your vagina. Oh, nice. Um, so I do that after I have a new partner to see if like my pH is starting to get off. And if I do that, I will take boric acid suppositories to like get it back into the right range. And that has like prevented me from getting um, yeast infections and BV and stuff like that. It's more mm-hmm. of like, you know, a preventative thing. I also use these like vitamin E suppositories after I have sex. They like help with like irritation and like, you know, any sort of like micro tearing that goes on during sex too. Mm-hmm. And I feel mm-hmm. like that like really helps me. But I think the preventative stuff is like stuff we don't talk about enough. Like I don't think like I have thousands and thousands and thousands of comments on that TikTok being like, why the fuck is this the first time I'm hearing you can test the pH level of your vagina? And I'm like, Aww. I don't know. I don't know. This should be stuff that we're taught. And you we're know, you taught. can literally bake bread with the yeast. Out of <laughs> discharge. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. They don't teach that stuff in sex ed. No, they or don't. Baking. And uh, so that's how I, that's how I, and I, I was awesome. also like, when I was shooting porn, I was getting strep throat like all the time. I think it's really important for people to like gargle like hot salt water after they like it, it, mm. for me it was for me it was from eating pussy honestly like that's when mm. I get strep throat is if I eat like multiple different pussies usually or like something so I'm I'm gonna I haven't really t- put this to test yet because I ser- I just got strep throat the last time that I ate a lot of pussy again <laughs> so I, but I started doing all this research I thought that there was like a specific type of bacteria da, 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 da. that's mm-hmm. true but also your throat has the capability of like getting rid of a lot of it but if you're eating a lot of pussy I think it like just fills up you know it's like full wow. it's like to its capacity so I want to start like trying that now just see so like, like a lot of help. bacteria at once yeah yeah in the throat like something yeah like that. I remember um seeing something it was a few years ago it was a study about people at the highest risk for HPV in the throat was hetero men who were sexually active because it's transmitted vaginally a lot of the time and uh so there was a reaction to that where a lot of like feminist women scoffed they're like this is just men trying to not lick pussy and it's like no (laughs) it's just saying that if this is like a very common like hetero activity this is a commonly transmitted thing yeah exactly like certain certain things are just transmitted by like like for h like for hiv like it's the most 
the highest risk sexual activity is receptive anal sex and then it's penetrative anal sex. Like those are just the facts, you know, the statistics, yeah. which I think people should and be needle. educated on. Yeah. <laughs> and then needles and then sharing needles. And yeah. also it's like, it's really hard to get HIV through your vagina if you look at like the statistics on it. And like, really? Yeah. People don't really, we don't know about any of this shit, you know? Like I was telling one of my bisexual male partners, and he had no idea that receptive anal sex was like the highest like oh yeah risk certainly when it comes to HIV oh certainly and that's not you know someone might say well that's a homophobic thing to say and it says well does your anus self lubricate no yeah, exactly so exactly higher risk for there's tears, more micro tears it has to be through blood blood is transmitted mm-hmm. right. Right. The, the viral load is in the semen. Yes, exactly. Like, right. the vi- like the vi- where is the viral load? Like things like that. Like I used to be like, oh no, I swallow all the cum. Now I'm like, you know, mm-hmm. sometimes if I don't know you, I'll probably spit your cum out. Like just that. That is why I actually tried to put. I did kind of put the kibosh on um one of my partner's partners yeah. very early because I was like, wait, it's the first date. She's swallowed your cum, but you guys haven't had the screening conversation yet. I don't know how responsible this person is. And exactly. he didn't know any better at the time to like instigate that. You're I like, end up yeah, educating my partner. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I have concerns. So I asked, I was like, can I, can you ask her her screening history? And then she like refused to share it and became defensive. And I was like, I don't want you to fuck this person. You're like, Oh no. <laughs> Oh no. And it's probably right. it was probably cold sores too. She was like so worried about something like that. And I'm yeah, like, and like oh, I no, get cold girl. sores, but at least I tell my partners. Yeah. Okay, I, I so- you know how cold, for cold sores, I feel like it's a physical manifestation of like a cold. It's stress. And like a lot of people didn't get it through sex too. Yes, exactly. It's from smooches from relatives. And HSV is friction. And, <laughs> yeah and so like my daughter got her first like a few yeah. years ago I'm like oh a little baby cold sore and I got him since I was 10 my mom gets him but interestingly enough my ex-husband's never gotten one neither yeah. of my ex-husbands um does he have shingles because <laughs> one of my one of my I'm sisters aware. like one of my most sexually active sister I was always like how have you never gotten cold sores and I started learning about it and I guess like shingles is in the same virus family so if you mm-hmm. have you have shingles that like attaches to the nerves faster yeah if you have one type of the virus like in that family or like chicken pox if you have hsv2 you're less likely to contract hsv1 and then vice versa yeah however you can still transmit it if you have an open sore so this is why i don't get to smooch or give blowjobs or lick pussies which is such a i haven't licked a pussy in like a year and a half Oh. This pandemic, I'm telling you. Heartbroken. <laughs> I know. Uh, okay, so thank you for explaining how you protect your vaginal ecosystem. Yeah. Uh, last question. We'll hit this one real quick. What should a customer do if they purchased custom content, reminded the star, and never received it? Um, at that point, I would say that I would send them another message being like, I'm going to get my money back through whatever avenue that I paid for this on. I know that that can negatively affect your business. Mm. So if you want to send me the money directly instead, like I will accept that. But I just wanted to let you know that I'm going this route since I haven't received what I paid for. Wow, that's really good advice. I actually have not thought of that. My because, best advice like, was yeah, going to be don't. like, don't, don't ever pay them again, I guess. Well, that too, obviously, like, I think, yeah. I think one thing is like buy custom clips from people who make a lot of custom clips. That's how you're going to get your money back. Like, that's how you're going to get your, like your, your product from them, you know, is mm. that like the girls who are making custom clips consistently, like they're going to, they'll whip yours out. 
yeah, I think you have more of a like a risky risk factor with anybody else. But I think tell you obviously mm-hmm. you have the right to get your money back however you want. So go ahead and do that. But I think it's acknowledging or like giving them one more shot to be like, I know this is going to negatively affect your PayPal account. I don't want to do that. So can you just send me my money back from mm-hmm. the video that I paid for or didn't get? Mm-hmm. And then at that point, um, also, I feel like sometimes like if somebody steals something from me and it's like mm-hmm. not going to fuck with my life too much, I just think, damn, they must really need that money. Same. Same. I guess I'll let it go. Yeah. So. I- I've also like I had this guy buy a custom from me one time and then I like was like, I don't want to do this and tried to give him his money back and he never mm-hmm. he never emailed me back. Oh, OK. Keep it. So I'm like, OK, all right. Okay. I'll wait for your email. I'm waiting for I you. have to film something today and it's just a dancing clip so it's going to be super easy but I meant to do this like two months ago and I actually <laughs> I know and he did email Girl, me I get again. it. I get it. Yeah. I was like thank you for following up and I actually explained to him I said you see it's very hard for me to mentally prepare to film because I haven't done this since Brian died. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I know and I didn't know if I should be too vulnerable but I'm like hmm, if he really wants it that bad. <laughs> Yeah, and I feel like the Bear since it was me. just a dancing clip, it almost like you almost forget about it more when it's not like yeah, getting right. hogtied and oiled up and like a fantasy exactly. about getting cooked over a fire or something. <laughs> Which was the custom video that I said I didn't want to do anymore. <laughs> uh, yeah, that sounds like a lot more production work. Spit roasting fetish. Have you heard of that oh, one? Oh, yeah. Spit roast. Yeah. Is that which is like you getting impaled by a pole and oiled up and being roasted over a fire while you're naked? Wow, there's I learn more all the time. You're never. I, I'm gonna be 95 on my daybed and being like, "That's a fetish." What? <laughs> <laughs> no, that was a fetish. Take another break. <laughs> Hey everybody, I want to turn you on to Good Clean Love. It's one of my favorite brands from right here in the Pacific Northwest. Their almost naked organic lube is water-based, so it's perfect for sex with a partner when using a condom or with your favorite toys. It's the best-selling organic lube in the country, and I think you'll really love it. Go to goodcleanlove.com forward slash L and check out my personalized collection of favorite products including pH balancing wipes, suppositories for bacterial vaginosis, massage candles, and lubricants. Use code L20 and take 20% off your first purchase. Do you have a sensitive vulva or vagina? Me too. People with vaginas will experience at least one yeast infection in their lifetime, and many folks like myself get them every time the seasons change. As someone who relies on their vaginal health for their personal and professional wellness, I use Momotaro Apotheca solutions for preventing bacterial vaginosis or yeast infection. Their products also serve urinary tract infections, postpartum care issues, aftercare, and general irritation from sex, clothing, and exercise. I love these things. I use them to shorten my healing time or prevent irritation. Use Stripper Writer for a discount code and check out their affiliated CBD products at Oshihana.com. That's MomotaroApotheca.com and Oshihana.com. Welcome back to the Talk Sex Podcast with Ginger Banks. Yay! Wow. This is the Internet Porn Episode 2. Follow 
on IG and TikTok at the Ginger Banks. Hopefully she's not deactivated on either. <laughs> and if she is, just Google her. Find, find the backup. Exactly. Exactly. All we can do is soldier on or give up entirely. I weigh the options every day. <laughs> Should um, I just disappear into oblivion? I'm not sure. Yeah. Where's the cabin in the woods? Um, so can we talk about Ron Jeremy? Of yes. course. Of course. Um, short, odd tie-in. I never met the guy. Um, he co-managed or was like part of the face to a former sex club in downtown Portland. He's not been affiliated with it for um, some years prior to his uh, court case and conviction. Uh, But I have so many friends who have stories of him just like grabbing them or like saying weird shit and grabbing them. Um, Yeah. It's so common. I always say I'll never stop hearing about people who have, have stories about him. So for the younger audience listeners, Ron Jeremy, if you don't know who that is, he made a lot of porn videos for a very long time. Um, He is not what you might think of as like when you think male porn star. He's definitely of the like vintage aesthetic. (laughs) Like he doesn't look like Owen Gray. We'll just say that. And I'm not like a big I'm not an Owen Gray fan specifically, but he looks like somebody's (laughs) little grandpa. And so I read his autobiography like a year, like God, 15 years ago or something. Oh, really? And I, I thought it was pleasant enough. Um, but yeah, I never met the guys. Oh, he's still on trial. <clears throat> I thought he was convicted. No. Oh, no. The the grand jury can uh, the grand jury, which like says that they can go to trial, did like indict him. OK, so he's been arrested. He's been charged. He's been indicted by a grand jury now, and then the next step is for it to go to trial and him for to potentially be convicted. Okay. Oh, and Ron Jeremy became famous in porn because he has, like, a massive wiener. Like, very massive. Um, Proud to say I've still never seen this thing. (laughs) Yeah, I actually have. I think I was, like, in high school by the time I had seen it somehow, and probably just because, like, in an old, like, magazine or VHS. Um I'm looking at it right now. It's okay. really not. First of all, he can suck his own dick. That's the first thing dick. I just saw. Yeah. Number one. Yes. Um, that. Okay. That's way more impressive than his dick size. To be <laughs> do you do yoga, sir? Um, so there's this Daily Mail article I'm looking at. Adult film star reveals how she gaslit herself after alleged rape by disgraced king of porn, Ron Jeremy, because she didn't think anyone would care as his accusers speak for first time in new documentaries. So you're in this, correct? Yeah, it's the that BBC documentary. I think I mentioned it before. Oh, that's the one. The WWE. Yeah. It's out in the UK right now. It hasn't come out in the US. Okay. So there's multiple allegations against him. Um, yeah, I guess let's see what happens. Uh, so this was specifically about sexual assaults, not just groping. But there's a lot of allegations. If convicted, he could face up to 330 years in prison. Yeah, one of uh, multiple girls in the documentary actually like allege him of raping them. So gro- groping, I think, is like the most like numbers. Like mm-hmm. he, I think he would sexually assault like most of the people he met. I'm not kidding, like women, and mm-hmm. by groping them. But I there's much more egregious. Mm-hmm. And he is 68 years old. So 330 years. I don't think he's going to do all those. No. <laughs> Justice system is ridiculous. Let's just add a bunch of years on. That'll make it be more serious. 
Um, yeah. So how do you feel? How do you feel this outcome? <clears throat> I guess. Um, I remember when I found out that he was arrested, I was like really surprised, kind of sadly. Mm. You know, it had gone on for so long, and I feel like it it was just talked about and normalized for so long. You know, mm. and this was I made. So I started talking to people in the industry about it and they would just tell me like, that's just what Ron Jeremy does, Ginger. And I was like, just like truly blown away that it was to the point where like these people that I I respected them in the industry, they were just talking about it like that. Mm -hmm. So I felt like, you know, if you can put all these allegations together and show people like I wanted him banned from the expos was the thing is that he Mm -hmm. was going up to so many people at these expos and like sexually assaulting them that I thought that Mm -hmm. this is like one of the things that we can do to prevent future Mm -hmm. victims of his Mm -hmm. and I really had to fight with these expo owners to get them to listen you know I remember one of the responses initially was like well if we ban Ron Jeremy we're gonna have to ban the people that have similar allegations against them and we were like (laughs) wow why is that like such a crazy fucking thought this is the owner of Exotica by the way this guy like respects us zero does not respect us and so I don't know. Like eventually, you know, a reporter picked up the story that was in like 2017 and, you know, he got arrested in 2020. So that's how long it, Mm. 2020, yeah, 2020. Wow. 2020 is when he was arrested. Yeah. I guess it has been a few years since I first heard about the allegations at all. Um, yeah, I remember (laughs) that's so the way it is though. I remember I made a complaint (laughs) to, it was this online website I, I modeled for for some years. And I said, you know, the Instagram account is really hateful. Like, there's so many hateful yeah. comments. Like, why don't you delete these, like, block these people? These are just awful. And the person running the social media account said to me in message, which they'd probably never do today. They're like, well, if we do that, then we have yeah. to do that to everybody who leaves comments like that. And our follower count would go down is what they said. But it's like, okay, it's like, like if it's like 1%. Yeah, there's almost like there's more followers out there. And that aren't going to treat you like shit. Right. When you set a bar for what is permittable, that will become the norm for some people. And I saw this in strip clubs over and over again, where it's so like true. If you kick out the people that are like throwing things or being loud. Other people will. First of all, they won't come back. Or if they do, they have to be better or expect the same result. And other people see and remember that shit. And the ones who don't want to be there because they're uncomfortable, they will come back because they feel safer. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Ugh. Like, mm-hmm. why, why encourage that stuff? Like, why leave it up? Like, mm-hmm. if it was like vandalism, you'd get rid of it. So, why digitally are we just gonna like? Was it by the way? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that website! I know. Every time, I mean, I don't bash them publicly because I still have content on there. Yeah. Um, and I, I just feel like the left bridges I burn on purpose. But I will tell everyone who asks me privately and listeners, you yeah. can feel free to ask me privately. Like, don't give them free content. It's mm-mm. yeah, it's crazy how they just yeah, exactly. Yeah, I remember different, when different podcasts. Yeah, different podcasts. I remember I, yeah. back in my day, you <laughs> were a model that they either bought your, your content from and they paid you, <laughs> or they didn't. Now it was, we're going to post this publicly, and if it gets, like, a, a certain amount of votes and reposts, we might buy it from you. That's but so insane. If you're sucking the owner's dick, it might happen a lot faster. 
I love how like and they'll never like directly say that you'll just see the girls that are mm-hmm. with the owner getting more and you're like okay mm-hmm. okay time I ever had a personal relationship with a venue owner was like a person I couldn't even benefit from their power they didn't even like they weren't even my boss I was like damn it <laughs> I just like this person is all you're like fuck I know I'm really bad at this power chain thing <laughs> Um, but yeah, you'll see it. And you'll see that also again to equate it to the club, which is where I spend a lot of my time. Like sometimes, sometimes the like owner's girlfriends or boyfriends, whatever, are like benevolent. And so they can use their power to like make it a better place. And sometimes yeah. they are not benevolent and <laughs> they become nightmares. And you just pray and pray and wait until those two break up. And then this happens, <laughs> cycle happens all over again. Anyway. So there, there's going to be a new one. I know. Yeah. I haven't been a stripper for 12 years. It's fine. Um, <laughs> never noticed any patterns. So what are some things you've learned about porn industries that you think civilians don't realize? That they don't realize. Yeah. I this- think that... Um, I think that right now, a lot of the porn that's being created is being created by like algorithms, especially from like the main porn like companies and stuff like that. I think they don't realize that the free porn that they are watching on tube sites is determining the type of porn that is being made by most production companies. They go off of that data. And so I personally think like, I think for a good example is like, this is just a theory, by the way, is that. Game of Thrones was like this crazy cultural phenomenon that also involved like a lot of really hot incest scenes. Mm. And I think that that influenced culture and porn in a way that like people Mm. went on these tube websites and started like looking up stuff like that, just like potentially just temporarily during this like TV show, you know, and Mm. then it, 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 this feedback loop was created because like, I feel like the incest porn was like, it was kind of like a bomb went off. Oh my God. Like it came out of nowhere. Oh yeah. Like. I've always been like, like, why? And this is something that I've really honed in on as like, Whoa. especially like another data point that I got the other day was my sister's rewatching Game of Thrones. And she's like, I'm having incest dreams about dad. She's like, I'm fucking freaked out. And she's like calling me. And I was like, so it is related to like, there is something about that that's oh, going on. You know what just clicked for me? When yeah. I remembered the uh, MILFs got really big in the early aughts. Fucking yeah. real housewives. <laughs> the real housewives stacy's mom that's what yeah. i mean like they're like do you think that porn influences culture and i'm like i think culture influences porn way more because wow. i was trying i was doing this interview with bbc news radio the other day and i felt like he was trying to get me to say that like porn is responsible for the violence against women and culture mm. and i was like fuck no i was mm-hmm. like i think the violent attitude that we have against women and culture is reflected Mm -hmm. in the pornography that is created Mm -hmm. that was the first time and he kept asking this question in a certain way i was like i'm not gonna get you're not gonna get me to say what you want me to say and i know it would go viral i know you could like be like a mia khalifa moment but i just i can't say that Mm -hmm. i can't say that because i don't believe it i believe it's the other way around what do you think about the mia khalifa stuff you can get 20 percent off i think that when i actually listen to her interviews like all the way that she's not saying anything that isn't untrue and her up her upbringing was through in the porn industry was through bang bros which got their start off of like fake homeless woman videos like having sex with homeless women like exploitation bang bros yo like bro is like a good enough description for you to understand but like she was she was manipulated into it by this guy that she was dating and 
she got paid basically nothing. Then they made like a smear campaign website in retaliation to her just speaking out. And I I think that her, you know, she hasn't been trained in like the media the way that I have when it comes to sex work. And I don't think we have the, potentially have the same intentions. And I understand anti-porn people have tokenized her and used her to Exactly. And you can clip it up, you know, and like, yeah. And, and she did go through some shit, but you have to say it in a way that makes you realize that it's the people involved and it's not like porn's a, not a monolith. It's like when people talk about quote unquote Hollywood, it's like, what the fuck? Like you get to Hollywood, you're like, there's thousands of producers here. There's thousands of like, you can't blanket statements shit like that like it makes no sense and so Mm -hmm. I understand how since she hasn't done that media training that it gets like clipped into ways that like can be used against the porn industry that's why I think it's really important to have done all this training and stuff Mm -hmm. so like I could see what that BBC news like I could see the I could see what he was trying to get me to say. Mm-hmm. And when I said that, he's like, I'm not trying to get you to say anything. I was like, well, why did you ask me the same question like four times in a row? Like wow. in a different way. Good for you. you know? Good for you. you. So what are some resources that have been helpful for your learning? Um, or peers? Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's what I was going to say is I think I learned the most through like other sex workers, what they're doing. Like I'm very plugged into the sex work community I mean I used to be a lot more plugged into the sex work community and I Twitter in general is like where I would interact with most of the sex workers but I after I've done this like healing trauma work I've noticed how stimulating Mm. Twitter can be Mm. and not potentially in a good way like I could certainly all day on there stimulated arguing with people like you know we are victims of society but if you like marinate in that too long it also like it prevents you from doing all these other things. Like you get stuck in that. I've been stuck in that victim mindset before where I was just like, you know, they just fucking hate us. Da, 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 da. And I, that does, that doesn't help for me. So I think that resources helpful for my learning as a sex worker, like Twitter and stuff like that. But I think going out and like I say, getting out of that sex worker bubble or that porn bubble and like going out into like, I, I was going to say the real world, but like getting offline and like interacting with people in person is mm-hmm. so important for mm-hmm. sex workers, especially like nowadays, like OnlyFans has like really opened up people's minds because they, I feel like the the odds are higher, higher, higher than ever for them to have met someone in person that does sex work mm-hmm. with OnlyFans now, mm-hmm. you know, like before it would be like, I've literally never met anybody who does this. And more and more now I'm meeting people that are like, oh yeah, so-and-so started doing OnlyFans during the pandemic because the strip clubs shut down or da-da-da. Mm-hmm. Like they've saved like entire towns, like the North Shore of Oahu, Hawaii, like so many people there, they've, they were telling me how like OnlyFans saved us, you know? Wow. Because so many things were closed. Yeah, work. exactly. Yeah. They Damn. lost so much money. And that's why we shouldn't restrict that. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, what I'm hearing is do things that are connective. You got to unplug yeah. sometimes. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Uh, and lastly, besides all of the help you just gave, do you have any last sex tips for our audience? I think that like being really, really present in anything you do is going to make it a more enjoyable experience. And recently I've been trying to do that with sex with like, you know, really spreading all of my awareness over exactly what I'm doing in the moment. And I think that also helps with like erectile dysfunction personally. I'm fairly certain that most erectile dysfunction is some sort of not being present in the moment, letting a thought like catch catch you up in your head Mm -hmm. and um 
so that that being very present and mindful and like practicing meditation like outside of sex but inside of sex can really help with that as like a problem and I know a lot of guys struggle with that mm-hmm. engorgement issues for all people no yeah can be due to yeah like Distracted, distracted you know you're like oh why am I not coming instead of focusing on what's exactly happening to you in that moment like for women I know it's like really hard for a lot of women to orgasm and I've noticed that really when you breathe in like relaxing your pelvic floor and then f- focusing all of your awareness on just what your partner is doing to you I actually mm-hmm. learned this in a book written by a Holocaust survivor. It's called Man's Search for Meaning. And there's just like, I could never find it again in this book. Like I've gone through it so many times because it's just a tiny chapter that basically says, if you if you really, really, really try to have an orgasm, you'll end up doing the opposite and not have an orgasm. Or if you really, really, really try to fall asleep, you'll end up being an insomniac. Mm -hmm. Like the opposite will happen. And so to spread your awareness over like, what is happening to you sexually is like a way to counteract that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Very true. I find that true for myself. Thank yes. you so much, Ginger Banks. Everybody just had a wonderful time and fell in love with you. Um, oh. They're going to find you on Instagram and TikTok at the Ginger Banks. I will see you on Instagram. And thank you for all of the work you do. And thank you for showing up as who you are. Thank you for all the work that you do. Like I really respect you. I see I see you going to these meetings in person. Oh. I see the work I see the work that you're doing for sex workers. It is acknowledged. It is appreciated and you're like, you know, definitely one of the people that I respect the most in this industry. So thank oh, you. Oh, my heart. Everyone's heart through. <laughs> I really love sharing like gratitude that I have for people. Like I really try to make an effort to do that. So thank mm. you so much. It makes the world it. go around. Yeah. Okay. Good to feel appreciated. For sure. (laughs) Until next time, everyone. Hey, everybody. It's Elle. Are you ready for some discount codes? You can get 20% off cool t-shirts like the ones you've seen on Instagram by feministtrash.com. If you enter all caps, L Stanger, that's my name. I recommend using the code stripperwriter. For 10% off your orders, $35 or more on sexual wellness items from unboundbabes.com. This is one of my favorite websites. And I know some of you enjoy the Vesper toys on lovecrave.com. You can use all caps code L for a free engraving on your Vesper toys. It's one of my favorite vibrators and I also use it to calm down like a uh, sternum vibrator. Nobody's ever asked, but I do indeed receive a portion of sales. Thank you so much to these affiliates for offering to do so, and I'm happy to recommend their products. And please let me know, listeners, what products you like or any feedback about anyone I ever recommend, be it in show or in social media or here.